0: Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree.
1: You know, I'm really excited today to have my good friend Dave McCann... With me on this podcast. Many of you may know Dave as the evening anchor for KSL News in Salt Lake. He retired from that a few years ago. He's been the studio host for BYU TV's True Blue, also the co host for Countdown to Kickoff Pregame Show and the Postgame Show on BYU TV, has been the play by play announcer for BYU TV's college football and men's basketball. Dave will also occasionally call women's college basketball and college baseball games. Dave's the third of 10 children. grew up in Orem, Utah, a wonderful, awesome member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In fact, Dave and I serve in our stake together, and I really enjoy that. He served a two-year mission for the church in San Antonio, Texas. After that, he came back to BYU. In fact, he graduated from BYU in 91, was hired by ABC's Good Morning America to be their first sports reporter. And after a few years at ABC, he was hired by KLAS in Las Vegas, where Dave was the sports anchor for 13 years. In fact, uh, as I remember it, Dave also called, he was the voice of UNLV's football, radio play-by-play for eight seasons, also called men's basketball games. Anyway, Dave's been behind the microphone for a lot of years, and that's why for me it's quite, it's a little bit intimidating to have Dave here as I'm telling him how to speak into the microphone and that kind of thing, but... Uh, Dave's a wonderful, wonderful person, a wonderful servant. One of my favorite things about Dave McCann is he's so genuine. He's he's down to earth. He's approachable. I mean, here he is in front of TV screens and, and on radio and in and, and the podcast world everywhere. In fact, my favorite program that he's involved in right now is The Wise Guys, a program he does with Blaine Fowler. Uh, every Tuesday night and love it I always look forward to my walks early in the morning to listen to the wise guys because I feel like it's one of the greatest sources to receive all the information that we need for BYU sports but once again with all these things going on what Dave McCann really is is he's a friend he's a servant he's a family man and uh, he loves the gospel of Jesus Christ and Dave that's why I'm so glad you're here with us today well, Dave, I'm, I, there's so many things I want to ask you about, but here's here's one of the places I thought it would be really cool to start. You know, you grow up in, uh, in Orem, Utah, a family with 10 children, and I just want to know what, what, what it was. You know, Utah Valley has changed so much. It's changed so much since I was a BYU student here, you know, back in the mid-80s, but what was different about Orem, or what was it even like just growing up a kid in a family Orem, Utah, back in the, what, was it
0: the 70s Well, the 70s and the 80s when music was at its best.
1: (laughs) I would Um, agree.
0: You know, I think we had like a Norman Rockwell uh, childhood. Yeah. You you could toilet paper homes and the police wouldn't come. (laughs) Or the police Uh, would help you. Ring doorbells and run around. Halloween, you'd trick-or-treat forever and never felt like uh, anyone had slid you a a bad piece of candy or that you were... I just think it was... um, it was the kind of time where you fold up your papers and go do your paper out and your parents never worried about when you were getting back because they knew where you were. And uh, it was a time of floating down the ditch and eating our neighbor's apples when we shouldn't have and <laughs> and buying those bottled 32-ounce things of Orange Crush and drinking it all by yourself for <laughs> 19 cents. And, and we're not even that old, but that was... Right. I, it was just a special time. Um, but I I think... It's it's not terribly different from today, and it's not terribly different from way before us when it comes to the core values of of who you are, what you do as a family, and um, and what you do for entertainment. Things are easier today, and they're harder. Right. Uh, back when I was a kid, they all seemed hard. You didn't have a cell phone. You know, you had to use the phone on the wall, and <laughs> right. and if you wanted to go see some, you want to talk to somebody, you had to go see them, and um but right. i i think sports is the same the challenges are the same the things that make us happy are the same um but uh i i don't think i i've never said gee i wish my kids could have my childhood i i've often thought they would love my childhood right but they seem to have really enjoyed their childhood sure and uh and and it's like well more power to them they can watch lion king on their phone you know? <laughs> we didn't have a vcr but uh I, I just think. Did you have
1: a dinner bell, Dave? Did you have a dinner bell?
0: No, we had a we had a mom that would stick her head out the back window and scream,
1: "Dinner time!" Yeah, um, with all the names going down the list of all the names. Yeah, we didn't have a
0: bell, but we were out playing in the yard. Some of those things have changed. Um, uh, we played little league. We played Bantam basketball, and we played football. We had three seasons. Come to find out, there's actually four seasons: uh, winter, spring, summer, and fall. We thought there was just the three. And um, and we stay busy, and and now we keep our kids busy. We try to get them off their computer, get them to go outside. Maybe that's a big difference, but at the same time, they're connected to the world, right, in a different way.
1: What was it like growing up in a large family? You know, in in those days. And by the way, large families, as we know, are almost becoming extinct. You don't see many families anymore with ten, right, with ten children. But uh, what was that like?
0: We had five boys and five girls. Three of us boys came first. Yeah. And then we had a run on girls, and then two of the last three were boys. Um, it uh, I, I don't know anything different. I'll tell you, a fascinating experience I had when I was in Las Vegas and I was anchoring the news, my co-anchor um, was an, a, an only child. Now, I'm one from 10. Right. And we got along great. But we got along a lot better when I realized she was from a different planet than I was. Right, and we literally saw things completely different. Sharing was a totally different concept from someone who never had to, to someone who had to do it all the time. Right, and uh, I, I just and we're great friends still today. But I just remember going, my goodness, she has had an entirely different Earth experience than I have, and 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 part of it is problem solving. Sharing, fighting, cooperation, apologizing, yeah. fighting some more, <laughs> cooperation, um, chaos, noise all the time, which which is natural to me and totally unnatural to her, um, and yet and yet we were doing the same job, right, and getting along, but I think we were getting along <laughs> because I was taught how to get along uh, right. with because of our because of our group, right. Um, I I wouldn't want to have it any different. I can't imagine life different uh, for the McCanns. But other people can't imagine life with 10 brothers and sisters. Right. Like it blows their mind.
1: (laughs) I know. Did you, uh, I'm guessing everyone shared rooms, right? No question about that. And multiple people in rooms probably in some cases. We
0: still have, my mom still lives in uh, the house we grew up in. And I'll walk through there and go, how in the world did 10 of us live here just the kids yeah and um and 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 it didn't seem like it was small now we walk in and we're like there's no way there's no way we did all this and the house has been changed around and like we do with our homes but uh but the roof's still the same and underneath the roof all of that happened right and it was fascinating to think about uh heaven forbid we each brought a friend over now there's 20 people in the
1: house (laughs) Oh, well, that's incredible. What, a, what what great memories! And your house was kind of like the Kool Aid house, as I understand, right? Your the the McCann house in Orem, Utah, was the place where the kids in the neighborhood came and hang out, hung out a little bit.
0: We had well, there was always something going on, yeah. and um we we uh we had a big side yard, and uh that's where we played football. And uh, you know, just to give you an idea, my parents did their best, and my mom's still trying to do her best to to teach us the right things. And and they decided that for Sunday to be different from other days, uh, we couldn't go outside till four o'clock in the, after, in, the, in the afternoon. And so there were days when we would just sit there with our noses peeled to the window, staring at the clock going, free us, get to four <laughs> o'clock and free us. And my parents are like, I don't think that's what we're trying to teach here is right. imprisonment. But the problem was all our friends... Who didn't have the four o'clock rule? We're out on our side yard warming up to play football while we're in our house, <laughs> not being able to come out to play football. And uh, and then when it came four o'clock, that back door would swing open, and my mom had had it by then. Is said, like, get out? Yeah. And we'd play till it was pitch dark, and then and then come back in. But uh, that was our, our house was um, with, with so many representatives of so many age groups there was always something going on right and my older brothers were athletes my younger brothers were athletes my sisters were athletes and so there was all the that concept as well um and it was organized chaos and and my i understand how my dad wore out a lot earlier than the rest of us um and my mom's a saint cuz she just uh they just wanted to have a big family right and the price to pay to have a big family is you got to embrace the chaos and the circus has to be made fun because it's going to be a circus. It's going to be a circus, yeah. And so then you decide what, what part of the circus you're willing to put up with and what part of the circus is unacceptable. <laughs> and, then, and then go for it. And, and to their credit, they went for it. And yeah. then we're all here because of it.
1: Uh, it's, what, what an incredible legacy your parents have left. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. One of the questions I wanted to ask you, though, is, you know, you go on a mission to San Antonio, Texas, And I'd love to know the impact that had on you just being in a foreign country compared to Utah. But also, did your mission, I know I'm asking you two questions here, but did it have any impact on what you're doing with your life today?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I'll tell you, this is how my my mission started. Um, I got a call. I was at Rick's College. And the invitation came in the mail and I called my parents and I opened it up and it said San Antonio, Texas. Now I, all I knew was the San Antonio Spurs. I right. didn't know anything else about San Antonio. <laughs> so I went down to the Ricks college library and started looking stuff up to see where I was going to spend the next couple years of my life. And uh, I get there my first areas, a heritage ward in which covered the Lackland air force base. Mm. And um, that's, that's significant because years ago, when my dad was 18 up at West High School in Salt Lake, and he had some friends that were there, he knew that if he hung around those friends, he was going to end up like those friends and right. not in a making the decisions he he wanted to. And his parents weren't active and he and his brother go to church and he just, he, the, he felt the spirit say, hey, look, you got to get away from these friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he graduated, went over to the Air Force office and signed up for the Air Force, went home and told his parents. I joined the Air Force. <laughs> a few months later, he's at, Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas. Wow. Just before he's to get his uh, papers to go somewhere around the world, everyone was getting sent out. Uh, he's wrestling in the barracks. He's a wrestler at high school and he broke his leg. So everyone left. He went to Wilford Hall Medical Center, which was just down the road on the base. And he was there for three months. When it was time, his leg was healed somewhat where they could put him on a train and they sent him to an air base outside of Peru, Indiana. Mm. In Peru, Indiana... He goes to church on the first Sunday with his crutches and I think it was snowing and all those things that you hear about in those old stories. He sits down next to the Schmidt's and uh, the sixteen year old Schmidt girl wasn't impressed, but her parents felt sad sorry for him. Yeah. So they started inviting him to dinner, and they kept inviting him to dinner. Over the next three years, he asks that sixteen year old who's now eighteen or nineteen yeah. to marry him. And she's gotta decide I'm gonna leave the world. I've I've only been in Indiana. <laughs> And go out west because he wanted to marry her and and go and take her to BYU and right. do his education. Um, so she had a tough choice to make, and she chose him. And uh, so they got married and had ten of us. And um, and then years later, I get my mission call, and it's to San Antonio. My first assignment is Lackland Air Force Base, where he was and had. He not gone there and broke his leg and gone to Indiana, I wouldn't be there right. at Lackland Air Force Base all those years later. And and so that's how my mission started with the connecting of the dots of life. Your whole life, yeah. And and how one thing led to another. And and the example I use from that story is my dad had enough guts to follow the spirit at 18 to get away from bad friends. Mm. And we're all faced with those kind of choices all the time. My mom had enough guts to give up the world she knew, trust that this guy was going to give her a better life, and went with him. And uh, a lot of times we think we got to wait later in life to make tough decisions, especially youth. Okay, I'm going to wait till after my mission to decide what I want to do. Right. But, but in reality, the decisions we make right now can shape everything that happens to us down the road. Sure. And my two parents are perfect examples of that. And so I, I'm grateful that my dad I was better than I was when I was 18, and we weren't rotten kids, but he had enough guts to go, I gotta I gotta do something drastic, and then he did it, and the 10 McCann kids and the 47 grandkids and the 26 great grandkids owe everything to that 18 year old's decision.
1: Wow, and, all hinges on that, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, that was the hinge point for for the McCanns, hmm. or I might be a Jones or a Smith here today. <laughs> And so that started my mission and that was my perspective of, hey, you know what, this is, this is all happening for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I spent three months ministering to the patient at Wilford Hall Medical Center, where my dad had spent three months oh my gosh. Uh, with a cast. I took pictures and all that. Nothing ever changes. I sent it to him. <laughs> He's like, that's the exact same thing when I was your age. But uh, my mission taught me uh, that you can do hard things and uh, you can do uncomfortable things, uh, but when they're the right things, they can become great things. And um, everything that 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 I learned on my mission, I'm doing today. right. And uh, I also learned on my mission that repentance is very important. I've had to repent my whole life. And <laughs> I'm just glad you have imperfect people on your podcast because right. I'm probably number one on that list. Um, but but we live and learn through corrections and experiences and and teaching people those principles. Uh, help prepare me for the challenges in my life that were coming, that I had no idea about at the time, um, and and this is how you deal with it. This is this is how you get through it, um, from a 19-year-old's perspective to later in life when things are a little heavier. Right. And um, but the principles are the same, uh, and you got to learn it somewhere. And I learned it in San Antonio, after I learned it in my house <laughs> growing up.
1: Just so awesome. But any so any thoughts though on as you launch from the mission field that okay I'm definitely going into broadcasting or, or sports journalism or any of that or was that does that just kind of evolve and happen over time and different well, doors opened or my mom
0: said when I was four I told her what I wanted to do for my career and and, and I've just done it you know I can't fix a thing you can ask <laughs> Diane but I can do some of these other things yeah uh, and and one thing that that uh, the mission taught was. Um, uh, for me, as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, uh, I'd been involved in radio and I've been involved in newspaper writing even before my mission, I hadn't been involved in television, but I thought television is what was the most stable, which might sound weird, mm. but radio and T and newspaper, you can just get replaced. But in TV is the longer you're on, you, it's almost like a professor, you get tenure a right. little bit to where, um, you're more valuable older than you were younger. Mm to a TV station because everyone's grown up with you. I had a kid come up and tell me one time, uh, he recognized me uh, and I wasn't in a suit. And he came up mm-hmm. and he said, hey, I, remember I, I, I know you from Channel 8 in Vegas. And uh, he goes, I've never seen you not in a suit. I go, how old are you? He goes, I'm 18. And I realized that for 18 years of his life, the only place he's seen me is on Channel Eight, and I've always been in a suit. Right. And there I assured him that I am only in a suit for as long as I have to be in a suit, and then I'm out of that suit. But I realized that that's that's what, that's all he gets to see. That that's all he got to see. Right. And so that was his perception. And um and 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 in television, it's interesting because you become part of people's lives. They grow up with you. Right. And if they like you, and if they don't like you, they still grow up with you, not liking you. But, sure. Um, That that, that influence and, and drawing power of, I mean, Blaine Fowler and I have been calling BYU games now for, I think, 32 years. And so BYU fans over the last 32 years have had to get it from us. Right. Some don't like it. Fortunately, most do. <laughs> and that allows us to keep doing it. But therein lies the influence of, hey, it's a, that's an old friend. We've grown up together. You and I grew up with Paul James as the voice of the Cougars. When we hear his voice, we feel like we're home. Right. Um, And so we kind of have that experience through TV. And so I I just felt coming home from my mission that that was was where I needed to be. And and through the course of some tender mercies, I get a job at Good Morning America while I'm a student at BYU. And, And then I get the job in Vegas and the job in Salt Lake while doing BYU TV in between all that. And I didn't have to hop around. To market to market, I just kind of went from cool place to cool place, um, with an opportunity to meet a lot of folks and do a lot of cool things, and that's what I thought television would give me. And you can still do radio, newspaper. I, I kind of done it all at the same time, but when the red light comes on, you can either you can either fumble or or hold on to the snap. <laughs> and uh, I've always I was always motivated. I did the evening news or morning news for 30 years. And, um, and I never got sick of the notion that when that red light comes on, I can either do it or mess up. Right. And you're driven to, when well, my mom's watching. I've got to be my best. And that's how it stayed fresh for me was the red light. Because everything else is Groundhog Day. Yeah. The only difference is the tragedies are involving different people on that particular day. Um, but when the red light came on, that was the challenge of, you can either do this, or you can not. And I wasn't perfect, but um, I loved that challenge. Because sure. no matter what, how the last three minutes went, here comes another three minutes. And what that, am I going to do here?
1: Right. Oh, that's so great. Well, we love hearing your voice. We love listening to you. And, and I love how you talked about that idea of this stability and these people grow up watching you all these years. I, I think that when I was a BYU student, we would go to bed at night with Channel 5 News on. and It would be Dick Norse. Right. And then we left and came back 10 years later to do graduate school, and there's Dick Norris still. And then
0: MASH came on after yeah, the news. Yeah, exactly. Everything was, was all right in the world when you heard the MASH song downstairs because your parents were still watching the news <laughs> and you're trying to go to bed. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so, Dave, going to a, a, a different place here for a few minutes. but uh, So in 1998, your dad, D- Dale McCann, uh, great influence here in BYU, the Provo community, but... Cougar Club president for how long? 25 years? 25
0: years. Executive director, yeah.
1: He dies of, was it pancreatic cancer? Yeah. At age 57.
0: 57.
1: That's just, when when I think that I'm 60.
0: (laughs) Hey, I'm about to turn 57. Isn't that
1: crazy to think about? It's crazy. And so you think of how long your dad's been gone now for 25 years, and just how has that impacted your life, the life of your family? Because I I've hear I hear you talk about your dad I've read articles you've written about your dad recently yeah. and I can I can tell that there's still this deep connection to your dad and he still influences your life but tell us about that experience
0: well it's it's like he's never left even yeah. though he's been gone forever and uh, his legacy never left and we feel that and we see that uh, we see it in each other and as, as siblings but um, but his presence has certainly been been missed i i was fortunate to have a great relationship with him not everyone has a great relationship with their dad but but i did and um and uh it was uh uh you know i remember the exact day um i was in my office getting ready to go anchor the evening sports mm-hmm. i think it was like 13 minutes after six and i just called to get a hold of him at the hospital where he had been not feeling good, so they were checking some things out. And I was just calling to see what time he was getting released. Getting home, yeah. Because he'd been in the hospital a lot over the course of our life, but he'd always come home. Mm. And uh, when you are in that kind of situation, you just assume that it's just going to end like always. You're going to yeah. get better and come home, and we'll have a game to watch right. on Saturday. And, and, uh, but I, I, I called and got a hold of him, and um, uh, I could tell the toning of his voice was different. And, uh, you know, you just kind of, what's, what's up? And, and he explained to me that they had gone in and, and found uh, pancreatic cancer and a tumor the size of a grapefruit wow. in his pancreas, and they just closed it back up. They didn't even try to, to take it out right. and, um, and told him that uh, he'd have maybe a year to live. Um, which would allow him to still be alive when my younger brother devin would be home from his mission he had a year left and um, and that's and that was that and I'm listening to it and I'm like what wait what <laughs> what did you say and yeah. so you're not going to get better and he goes he said he wasn't and uh, I just remember the, the the North star was falling from my sky and yeah. um, uh, and we hung up. I told him I'd talk to him a little later in the night and I looked up and it's like 19 minutes after six and I got to be on the set in like a minute. And I'm just crying my eyes out, uh, because I've just, I just got the worst news that, that I've ever received in my life. And, uh, and my makeup was running, you know you can just <laughs> and I tell my wife that's the only time I can relate to makeup running, but um, anyway, I wiped my eyes and cleaned my face and I ran to the set and sat down just in time to do the little teaser of what we had coming up in sports and I think in that sports cast there was golf and the cubs and something else um, and uh and then we went to break and the floor director, Eric Green, who's since passed away. Looked up at me and said, "McCann, you got to get some sleep. Your eyes are bloodshot, you know." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I've been working too much." You know, I just lied right through my teeth because right. I didn't, I couldn't explain why, or I was going to lose it again. Right. And then I also was going to lose it because I was going to suddenly get everyone's compassion, and I was just, just in the middle of my nightmare. And yeah. so, the commercials ended. And I I took both hands and grabbed the anchor desk and just clenched it as tight as I could because that was where my focus was going to be. Right. And then I had the teleprompter and I'd written the scripts and got through the sports cast and handed it back to the anchors and got up, went right back to my office, shut the door and lost it again. And I just couldn't get it back. I've never, never cried like that before where you just go, I don't see an end to this. You're like, how does your body produce so many tears? (laughs) It was just, it was the ultimate mourning for me. And I'd never experienced that kind of yeah. feeling because we never lost we'd lost grandparents but we ever lost one of us right and uh, or we're losing one of us and um that was and i didn't know what else to do my news director got after me yeah so why didn't you just tell us what i can't <laughs> believe you went and did that i was like what well, what was i supposed to do <laughs> yeah. it's one minute hey i'm not gonna make it up there yeah uh but um what's interesting is um the months after the funeral i was hired by byu to be the new play-by-play guy, which would have been the dream job for my dad. He would have loved that, right? Because we'd have traveled together and all that stuff, and you just kind of, oh, that was just going to be great, and it wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I really struggled with that. I, I struggled for a long time, for several months after the, after the funeral. Um, I remember driving home from the funeral, and we were outside of Mesquite, and I remember I needed to ask my mom something. I knew she had my dad's cell phone, so I just called that. And uh, this is when cell phones were kind of new, I think. And
1: right. Anyway, it
0: rang four times, and my dad's voice picked up. And he said, hey, this is Dale McCann. Leave you, I'm away from my desk, my phone. If you leave a message, I'll call you right back. And I'm just like, what I wouldn't give oh. for him to call me right back. And he just said he would call me right back. And so then I just kept calling it and listening to <laughs> the five voice. seconds of his voice, knowing that he was never going to call me back. Hmm. And um, so they went into this little funk. Um, you know, I, I got offended by some good natured person that said, Hey, don't worry about it. You, you'll get over it. It gets better. And I took that as, What are you talking about? Yeah. What, like the flu? I'm not I like the bad cold. I'm just one day wake up and be, be healed. And I said, like, I'm never going to get over this. And I decided I was never going to get over this. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to let myself get over it. And um, and that put me kind of in a, a deep freeze of, of my feelings. And I remember telling my wife uh, that, that, Hey, I'm, I'm going to come back. I'll be back. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere, but I'll be back, but I just I got to process this my own way. And while I was still doing the sports and the ball games and looking like you're having a great time on TV, but inside you just ripped. Yeah. And then one day, I three months later, I had this, um, this spiritual experience. I was sitting on my bed, and I was still kind of in this quagmire, and then I, I got the impression of,, uh, hey. You don't have to let him go. Just take him with you. Hmm. And a light went on and the fog cleared instantly of that's right. Uh-huh. I I'm gonna take him with me. I'm gonna take him to all these BYU road trips. It's only gonna I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna have to buy him
1: dinner. <laughs> I don't have to pay. I don't yeah. have to pay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna
0: take him to all these things and, and all of a sudden um, It just, everything changed for me. And I've been taking him with me for 25 years. And when I spoke at his Hall of Fame induction ceremony, I had him right there with me. And when when I see his picture, when I go into the Marriott Center or the practice facility, I I just stop and, you know, look at him. And and I was able to just, I was just able to be okay. And uh, you know what? That good natured person was right. It did get better. I did get over... The notion that I was never going to get over, but I got it through my own way of going. Hey, I'm not. I'm not letting go of this. Yeah. Uh, when I go see him up at the cemetery, it's it's the same. All this times passed, but it's just the same. Mm. And I'm grateful for um for the for the Holy Ghost to give me that revelation, which was a game changer for me. Now, my life hasn't been perfect. There's been plenty of mistakes and. I would have loved to have my dad with me to help me through some of those. Um, when, when my marriage fell apart in Vegas, uh, largely because of me, um, I didn't have him there Yeah. and I didn't blame him, but I could have used him. And I, mm-hmm. I wonder if he was there, how I might have done it differently because you know, moms are awesome, but a boy needs his dad, Yeah. especially when he's in some quicksand and, uh, I I think about that often. I, I think about how that curveball in my life might have just uh, been been different if I if I'd had him there. So so you know we mourn him and we mourn him and we miss him. We have great times. We think about him and and during the times where I go, oh, that probably wasn't a good idea. I really could have. I needed somebody. I was kind of by myself. I felt that way. Even though I have all these family members, none of them were with me. They're all up here. And uh, so I had both of those feelings of uh, I'm taking him with me and try to make him proud. And, 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 and then there were those times when it was, um, gosh, I really, I really could use him and he's not here. And, and then sometimes you learn some really hard knocks uh, in life and, and you go, you know what? Okay, well, I've got to be a better dad down the line for my guys so that I'm there when they need me. Um, and, um, yeah, so we'll have some great visits when we see him again, and he'll probably have a few questions for me, and I'll have a lot for him. <laughs> uh, but this life's a journey and and um, and sometimes we don't do it perfectly, but but uh, my dad was a believer in the atonement and and making course corrections and becoming better and and fortunately, that has been an underlying theme and, and hopefully is for for everybody when when they get in the jam, you can work out of it. Right. You're not just jammed, and uh, sometimes we feel that way. But he, he was a good example of just just keep going. And and so what what do we tell our kids? Just keep going. It, Elder Holland says it all the time. Don't quit. Don't give up. The the light at the end of the tunnel is the savior, and uh, just just keep going there and. And it'll work out, but it might not work out according to our timetable. Right. But it does work out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dave, that's what a great insight of just take them with you. I love that. What a great uh, revelation. So with that, you know, we think of your family, this great family, 10 children. How many grandchildren did you say? Well, Uh, roughly 47. 47 47-ish.
0: That's an estimate.
1: Yeah. So, (laughs) and I know the McCann family is close. I know that just from knowing you. How do you do it? How, do you, how, how have you guys managed to keep yourself, keep yourself so close in this world that's so crazy and, and going 100 different directions?
0: Well, if there's one thing in the Preserving Families podcast of this episode <laughs> that I can bring to the table that, that I think can help folks, because we get asked that question all the time. It's like, how is your family so big and has remained so close? And, and we are that close, and, and we love it. Um, we're all friends. Yeah, uh, and our kids are friends, and uh, we're not perfect—not one of us. Um, but but we 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 love each other, and we're and we're together. And um, years ago, um, Sunday night dinners are our thing. Right. Uh, years ago, our, when we started getting married, our parents started this. Hey hey, if you guys are free, we're going to have dinner Sunday night. Come back and have dinner with the kids because uh, we had a lot of younger ones. You're all right. Yeah. Um, and so then it was never, hey, we expect you to be here at 5 o'clock. It was always, hey, if you can make it. And then as we as we grew, then all of a sudden we started getting food assignments when we weren't <laughs> just college kids. Yeah. And, um, and so now today, 30-some years later, um, we have Sunday dinner, and there's usually between 40 and 60 of us. Uh, everyone who can make it makes it, and sometimes you have church meetings or other things where you're out of town. You don't, you can't make it, so there's no pressure. It's just that's where we want to be, and we found it easier to feed 40 to 60 than it is to feed six when you got to come up with the whole dinner. <laughs> right. So uh, I was single for seven years when um, when we moved back up from Vegas, and so I was assigned drinks and ice because I can't mess that up, and. Even though I've been married for a long time now, I'm still assigned drinks and ice. But I don't take offense by that. I just, You're I just kind of drinks and ice now. Scratch my head and go. Oh, I got drinks and ice. But um, uh, and so we might have we'll have an assignment during the week of um, Hey, we're gonna have a Mexican theme dinner so who's bringing tamales who's bringing this who's bringing that um and of course drinks and ice and the dessert <laughs> um and then we and when we convene at five o'clock at my sister's house or at our house depending on the season uh or my brother's house we have large enough houses to accommodate everybody and um twice a month we have a 30-minute come follow me lesson okay. and then we have a blessing on the food and we eat and turn the football game on and and visit. And um, and then we'll go out in the backyard and play wiffle ball. The marrieds against the non-marrieds. My sisters usually sit this out and complain on the side but while we beat on their kids. <laughs> but um, it's a way to not destroy the house. But it's also a way where we spend an hour and a half with our nieces and nephews in a setting that we never would. Right. Trying to get them out. Talking trash. Doing this. But but celebrating their lives. Having an influence. And having an influence. Yeah. And this is how we kind of. Have raised them, um, they grow up, they go on missions, they come back, all the other ball players see them come back. no one's never gone on a mission and didn't come back, so that's good, <laughs> that's good. for those young guys um, in fact, we've got one who's who's going to go out next and and uh, the second he could hold a bat he was playing in this game oh, wow. eighteen years ago, and uh when the nieces and nephews start bringing dates around that they might be thinking about marrying we're, we size them up going well that. Now that affects us because if you get married, you come to our side. So how is she or he with a bat? Yeah, and let's see. And since some don't make it back a it's second a rite of passage. Absolutely, there's a lot of pressure. Uh, the elders are over there at third, shortstop, and second, just going, yeah. Can this? What's this guy? What kind of swing is that? And what's that mean for us? But it's it's just the way that uh, if you're going to have a big family, my parents have instilled in us that this is the price you pay to have them close yeah you make sunday dinner if you can because you want to it's the best night of the week for me despite whatever adventures i might be on dinner with my brothers and sisters and siblings or, or uh, nieces and nephews and everybody is uh, it's the best hour or two hours or three hours depending on how it goes of uh, of the week it's also where we hey who's got uh, game this week you know, who's speaking in church this week? Who's doing this? Who's doing that? We can coordinate this massive army so that when, you know, my nephew Zach's playing at Sierra or at the Orham City Center, 40 of us will show up and watch his game. <laughs> his kids, his friends are down there going, who are all those guys? Oh, that's my family. Yeah. And we're there because we like being together and we like cheering for him or her or it doesn't matter who. And um, it, it's, it's, it's a blast.
1: So Dave, does that... Does that just happen? Does that just happen by naturally, or or is there talk about that? Is there coordination to say, "Hey, it's Zach's game this week. Let's oh, all yeah. be there." Or does it kind of, I mean, what? What's... Well,
0: you, you coordinate it like, "Hey, Callie's playing a soccer game at AF at four o'clock on Tuesday." Yeah, and everyone who can make it gets there. Yeah, and not all of us can. Depends on the day, um, but but we coordinate everything with family announcements before we start eating, and and um, it's just allowed us. To um, to be in everybody's life, and again, none of us are perfect, and and uh, they're not all temple marriages, they're not all missionaries, but everybody's loved, and they know it, and they keep coming back, and this is our this is our family unit, right? My mom's been on five missions, but we have dinners with our parents. Don't make us have dinner together. Right, we do it. We do it without them. If and, mom's not
1: there, it happens. Right? Yeah,
0: and I, I was. Uh, my kids sent me a picture the other day of them all playing together up in Logan at a thing, and um, uh, four of our, four of my five are up there, and three are married, and they got a bunch of kids, and and they sent a picture of them, and I and I sat there and I and I posted it on Facebook, and I said, you know what? Nothing makes a dad more proud or happy than when he sees his kids playing together. They're all grown up. Yeah. Not, not, hey, you're six and seven, you guys go outside and play with each other. It's they've decided it's Saturday and we're going to get together. And you know what? We didn't even tell our parents. We're going to do it because we love each other. And, um, and then you go that. back to the, the McCann clan and the secret sauce is this, and everyone can do it. You start and you stay consistent. So my parents said, hey, we're having Sunday dinner and we've had Sunday dinner for the last 40 years, um, give or take. Right. And um, and some have been 60, 70, 80 people. Sometimes it's just 20 people, just depending on what's going on. But it always goes on. And so when folks ask, hey, I would just love for my family to be as close as your family, I will usually say, number one, our family fought with each other to get this close <laughs> all, all the years. There was a battle here. But, uh, but." But you can do it. We're not we haven't reinvented the wheel. You can do it. It's just here's the challenge. You gotta start and then you gotta stick with it. Mm. And you can't catch up to whether they say the best time to plant a tree is twenty years ago or today. You know, you can't catch up, right. You just start and stay consistent and um and then and then let the miracle happen and And a miracle will happen because we love each other. And and a lot of families don't love each other, and and I get it. And there's a lot of circumstances that make things difficult, um, even politics and all that stuff. But we found that the if you can emphasize the core is we're a family, right? And uh, and the, and the only way to have cousins be friends with cousins is they have to play together.
1: You have to have be be on the field together, right? And so
0: start it and stick with it. Is the, that's the, that's the, like anything, right? right? Want to be a better scripture reader? Start. And then read every day. Right. That's, uh, there's no.
1: I love what Elder Bednar once said. He talked about his own family and just said, you know, I don't know if our kids will remember any lessons we ever taught them. But he said, but I think the one thing they would have to say is that we were consistent. We tried yeah. it Every week. Dave, do you have any, do you have any counsel for those families that are spread out all, all over the country and that all don't live in one geographic location, well, in terms of staying close, you know, yeah,
0: i and and I'm, and we were in Las Vegas for twenty years. We missed family dinners for twenty years, but yeah. they they went on. Right, we knew where the family was. Right, um, all those years, and and I I I don't know if I'm in a, a spot to give anybody advice because we're just all in it trying to do it, but. The thing that, that we want to know and feel as kids is that our parents love us. And we want our kids to know that we love them unconditionally, which means we have to love them unconditionally. <laughs> they, they won't believe it if we just love them on the conditions <laughs> of when everything's good. And um, so whether they're spread out or whether they're right here, um, the, the, the key is that we're consistent in our compassion and love for them. And then that can be FaceTimes, that can be texts, that can be when you're here, we're doing something together. Um, or even we know you're not here, but we're doing it anyway, yeah. because we want you to know that the family is, is even if it's a different kind of family, the grandparents might be running the family, might be a single parent running the family, we've all had tastes of that, um, but that somebody is doing something uh, to where there's a, a nucleus to come back to as opposed to you know, uh, a bunch of firecrackers, you just light them and they just go wherever they're going without a home base. And you go back to Wiffle Ball, there's a home base. And the home base is where our family is. It does, It's not a specific backyard. It's not a specific house. It's where we are is the home base. And uh, I, I think as a parent, you just want, gosh, you just want your kids to want to be together right um and want to want to be together and sometimes that happens sometimes it takes a long time but it it can't be for the lack of trying right right. if we're gonna have them we gotta we're responsible for for creating an atmosphere uh, or moments um to what, where they'll want to be together and and they can do that they, they can withstand kids are resilient families can withstand the worst of things but if there's love there, the love will keep it going, even if it is now different. Right. And um, I've experienced that in my life, and it's, it's very powerful, um, the most powerful thing. And we learned it from our parents a long time ago by deciding to have 10 of us, mm. which is insane. <laughs> but they had us, and they raised us. And uh, for as long as my dad was here, he raised us. And, and then when he passed away, his legacy still raises us. Right. Um, and and that's the hope for 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 everybody in in especially in situations that aren't perfect. Our spot isn't perfect. I'd, I'd give my right arm to have my dad here.
1: Sure. Um,
0: I had a I had a buddy at work one day in Vegas. He was complaining he had to go pick up his dad. Yeah. Uh, his dad was ninety three, and he had to. He was kind of I got to pick up my dad and spend the day with him and take him back to the senior center or whatever. And I just stopped him <laughs> and I go. I go, hey, I would give my right arm to be able to go have my dad with me for a half hour. Yeah. So put a smile on and go pick him up. Yeah. And, uh and, and it was kind of a shocker for him because sure. his mind has never gone that place. But my mind had been in that place and still was in that place of,
1: hey, I miss my dad. You go have fun with yours. Wish I could have him around. You yeah. Know? Dave, this is awesome. So uh, along the lines of where you've spoke, I've heard wiffle ball and family <laughs> dinners. What are some other uh, McCann family traditions that have pulled your family together? I I know there's a Super Bowl, Super Bowl party, gig.
0: You know we we're pretty creative at finding a reason to get together. (laughs) Whether it's the Cubs having a big game or BYU or or like you mentioned, Little League or football or Super Bowl party is is um it's a Super Bowl party. It's 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 a family gathering, and there happens to be a Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and and I'm in charge of the activity or the prize, so we're like, well, what can we do? How can we get a prize that everyone in the family would care about, including the three year olds, right? Um, who are only interested in making noise <laughs> during the key moments of the game. So we, so I got to come up with something every year, and it's tough because it's got to be bigger and better than the year before, but uh, and we'll have a thing where everyone comes in the house, and that you have to be present to win. So that's the, that's the caveat to getting everyone together. And they pick their team and the score, and then then they go play and do whatever. And the game's four hours long, sometimes longer. But it keeps the kids coming back, seeing if they where the score is, where they're at, <laughs> they're doing the math. And by the time the it's time to award the prize, we spent the whole night together. And it really doesn't matter who won. Uncle Kenny's usually going to win the prize.
1: <laughs> 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 happens every year. And
0: and and so we're just trying to pick little things. We're we're not a giant event family where it's like, hey, it's uh, you know it's, it's a holiday. So this every week's a holiday for us because we get together. Right. Um and so the the tradition is pay the price to have a family bond, and that means your time, even if you're tired, even if you can only be there for a few minutes. Pay the price uh, because the the payoff is. You know, when I die, I'm going to have a whole bunch of people at my funeral. They're all going to be my relatives. Right. And they all know who I am. And hopefully they've learned from my life. (laughs) Um, And some of them will miss me. But it'll be a full room of them. Yeah. And um, just like it's a full room when we bless one of the newcomer babies. You know, we just take over a ward. Yeah. We always give the bishop a heads up. By the way... be like 20 rows of mechanics <laughs> coming in. So just be, just be and then we do it. And um again, we're not a perfect group, and I'm certainly not a perfect guy, but we know what it takes to have good things, and we also know that we're all striving to be better. And someday after this life through the atonement, we'll be perfect or can be. But it's not gonna happen right here. But I can be perfect to get my rear end to Sunday dinner. Sure. And making sure we have drinks and ice. <laughs> uh, just like I can make sure I'm at church on Sunday. And yeah. I can make sure I read my scriptures. And, and and I can make sure I repent all the time. Those things I can be perfect at. And everyone can be. And, and all of that impacts our family in one way or the other. When we talk about preserving families, uh, the preserving part is the fight you know, the family just shows up, right? The preserving of of uh, how can we keep everyone together through good times and bad is is we love each other.
1: Yeah. It's all built on that foundation of love. But I also, not just love, but, you know, one of the things we have to do, and I see you guys doing it, if we want to draw those children into those teenagers and even those young married couples is it's got to be fun. And it feels like you guys always are are having that fun part as well.
0: we yeah, some of some of my sisters would call it sarcasm, we call it fun. <laughs> but it it is uh it's the best. Yeah. And and it started with mom and dad going, Hey, let's have dinner together. Why don't you guys come if you can? We know you're hungry college kids. And it started that way and 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 here we are today, just just like um, you know, through small and simple things, great things can come to pass.
1: And I love what you've said before, which is just start and be consistent, right? And, yeah. and there you go. Well, Dave, one last thought. I'm excited about this because I can't wait for Christmas this year. My wife has already promised me an incredible stocking <laughs> stuffer book.
0: Your wife's the best.
1: <laughs> you just wrote. Yeah, she is. She's wonderful. She's already getting one for every every grandson, I think. Well, tell us about your book.
0: Well, this book... Uh, and, and and What's it says it called? It's called um, C is for Cougar, <laughs> an ABC BYU football book. Yeah. And, uh, and it's the brainchild of reading ABC books to my grandkids and reading them over and over and over and thinking to myself, I got this book memorized. We're going to read it again. And it's like, why isn't there an ABC's book that I would really like to read? Because we're going to do it anyway. And then I thought, you know what? Two things are never going to go out of style: the alphabet and BYU football. <laughs> and so I researched to see is there an ABC BYU football book? And there wasn't. And I um, and I, I was out on a walk, and I got this inspiration of well, why don't someone should do one? Why don't I do it? And uh, I came home and I said, "Hey Diane, I think I'm going to write a book, a BYU football ABC book." And she's like, "What? Yeah, right? You're <laughs> yeah. going to do that?" Yeah. And so then I was like, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to." send a text to my friend Sherry Do and see what she thinks. And uh, Diane's like, yeah, okay, sure. Sherry Do's going to answer your text. But Diane didn't know that I'm friends with Sherry Do. She just, you know. And so now all of a sudden I'm operating out of a little bit of spite, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I send her a note. And I said, hey, Sherry, what do you think about this idea? And a few minutes later my phone dings and it's Sherry. <laughs> and she goes, I think that's a great idea. I'll buy the first 20. Uh, and I'm going to hook you up with my producer and, and, and all the, the key people to make it happen. And so I just went over and showed Diane <laughs> my phone. I said, hey, do you want to take a look at that? Yeah. She reads it. She's like, oh, my gosh, you are going to do it. And so then I researched, needed to come up with a, we call it a legend behind every letter, a BYU football player that um, that's last name starts with a letter from the alphabet and, and then uh, talked with BYU. And. And BYU photo and and uh, uh, and got uh, pictures of all these athletes and then I had to reach out to every one of them or their families if they were still alive, if they weren't alive, um, and get permission and then uh, put it together. And it comes out on November 7th. Deseret Book is is doing it. And right. so Deseret.com... Um, and, and then it'll be in all the stores, and it's like fourteen ninety nine. dollars It can't be too expensive. It's only got 26 letters. <laughs> um, but at the same time, my vision is that that book will be in every church bag, in every family room, in every kid's room, in everyone's office at work because uh, it's at the front covers of a big BYU football helmet, which is an awesome shot uh, from one of the student photographers at BYU. And um, it's part of who we are. And so... So it's it's coming out, and uh, I, I I'm, I'm just excited about it because uh, my wife didn't think I could do it, and um, it really is pretty cool. <laughs> I, I think it's it, going to be pretty so, cool.
1: Well, I'll be excited to see who who was assigned each letter because you yeah. know there's there's some there could be some controversy there, oh, right? Yeah, like the letter H. <laughs> yeah. who's going
0: to be H? Is it Max Hall? Is it Jaron Hall? Is it Taysom Hill? Is it Tom Homo? Is it Gordon Hudson? Only be one.
1: Oh my gosh! Stay tuned. Right. So
0: when you get the book, go to H. Uh, and you know there were some challenges like the letter X. There's only one football player in the history of BYU football whose last name starts with X.
1: Oh my gosh! And
0: you'll see him on the X page. <laughs>
1: Keep us in suspense, right?
0: Yeah, it, it's a fun thing to. Really, the goal is, hey, it's parents and kids, and and we're teaching them the alphabet, and here's just here's just the fun tool that that brings. Mom and dad and the kids together, and um, that's the that's the that's where winning is done, right? And that's where, um, you know, when in 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 search of the one, that's it, right? <laughs> Mom and dad with the kid, and um, and and I love that scripture, train them up. Train them up when they're young. So here's a BYU alphabet book to help everyone out. I'll
1: help them all be Cougar fans by the time they're they're seven, and
0: even Utah fans could also learn the alphabet. They could learn through alphabet. BYU. Exactly. It's, it's still very twenty six very important letters.
1: <laughs> so we, well, I was telling you before I I look forward to the number book coming out too. I mean, oh yeah, that'll be, that'll you might be... have to help me on that one because <laughs> I'm sure we have a double zero right with Cosmo, and yeah. you know, we go up to number ninety nine with oh, yeah. Jason Buck and. There'll be some
0: tough numbers to, you know, that
1: (laughs) you'll have, you'll have another controversy right (laughs) on your hands. Well, Dave, thank you so much, you know, for being with us today. I, you know, I've watched you as a news anchor. I listened to you on wise guys. We love listening to you on AFR and Cougar nation and and like to read your, your column. But one of the things I would say is I love how accessible you always are. And so uh, kind and, and respectful of people. I've watched you bend over backwards to help someone and, uh, take people under your wing. And I just love how approachable you've always been. So thank you so much for being a part of this today.
0: It's my pleasure. <laughs> this is a great podcast and I'm just like everyone else. We're just trying, you know, we're, we're just trying team
1: and we're just trying. I love that. You know, if we had a, you know, if we, we talk about, um, lds standing for let's do something and we always like to end our podcast with kind of an idea of let's do something dave if not to put you on the spot but if from all that we've talked about today if there's one let's do something takeaway an invitation that we could give to those who are listening today what what would you your thought be
0: start and stay consistent i love it no matter what it is you want to have better family dinners start and keep having them um you want, you want to understand the scriptures better, start reading them and, and keep doing it. You want uh, the spirit in your house, go to church and keep going to church. You want to get back to heaven, repent and keep <laughs> repenting because that'll get you there. And um, But the starting is the hard part and the easy part and the consistent part is where the miracle happens.
1: Right, right. Well, I, I agree. I think that's fantastic. Dave, once again, thank you for being with us today. And until next time, we hope all of you have a wonderful week.